This is Scott Richmond. And Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, it's a good Sunday morning. You know, this is my favorite time of the year because, like, on Friday you can play golf and then on Sunday you can ski. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we somehow go from, you know, mid-70s to the 40s, you know, overnight. You know, and uh, Montana. Th- th- there's something nice about that, that you, can, you, you don't have to wait a long time to, to go from one sport to another sport. Uh, and today we have a very interesting guest, speaking of sports, um, Clint Cordial is joining us, who's a, a Missoula-reared uh, chiropractor yeah. who has just retired from spending 10 years on the pro tennis circuit with arguably the best American tennis player of that last 10-year period, John Isner. Yeah. And so we, I'm sure he has great stories about traveling the uh, the uh, uh, ATP tour, uh, tour with uh, John Isner and being around the likes of Serena Williams and and other great tennis players and their entourages. And uh, it's interesting to find out about his life and what's he doing now in Missoula, Montana. How amazing is it that Missoula never stops delivering, never ceases to amaze me in terms of the people that are hiding out in the hills here. Right. And people that do really extraordinary things. Well, they come here and, and they and they go away because they, you know, they grew up in a small town in some cases right. and come back when they have a chance or they wander here like you and I. I you know, I came here and, and uh, bought a house and, and uh, you know, I thought it would be a vacation home and now I've lived here for 25 years. And I never, as a kid growing up, if somebody said, you're going to live in Montana for 25 years, I would have said, you're crazy. I'm a city guy. I've always lived in cities. But there's just something special about this place. And a lot of people we know have either stumbled here or have come back here, and they're better for it than uh, than the path they were following You and I did the exact it. opposite. <laughs> we, right. We came here with a lot of experience and a lot of ideas. Right. And we've had to, and we've been able to share that with other people. Well, part of it has to do also with the way communications and and and, uh, and the way business has been structured. Nobody cares anymore where you live. Yeah, that's true. And particularly after COVID. I mean, you know, clients that I have, my consulting, no one ever says where you are. Where right. are you? Right. They you don't know? care. They don't care anymore as long as you can do the work. As long as you can produce product that they're interested in, doesn't matter where you live. And why not live here instead of some, you know, some inner city, you know, traveling forty-five minutes each way to work every day? So we have a world-class tr- athletic trainer, sports trainer, coming in yes. to be on the show today. Yeah, and he's back in Missoula, and we're glad to have him back. And comes from a long line of folks that brothers, sisters, father, and father that treats prof- athletes. Yes, so it'll be a fun conversation today. I'm looking forward to it. When we come back, our guest, Dr. Clint Cordial, back after this. Arnie Sherman, we are back with our guest, Dr. Clint Cordial. Clint, welcome to the show. How are you today? Thank you very much. Happy to be here. So you're a lifetime Montanan. What drove you to become a chiropractor? What was the, what was the pathway you took? Yeah, I think I took a unique uh, uh, journey getting here. Um, my dad's a physical therapist. He's been a physical therapist for as long as I remember, and he's still practicing right now. So growing up in that kind of uh, model was always something really, really cool. And the way he's ran his business has, you know, been very open, kind of unique. I think uh, when we think of medical type professions, we think of 
kind of sanitation and and that sort of thing. And his office has always been very mom and pop shop. Where is he? Thing. Where is his office? So we're located um, off of Spruce and May. So oh, here in town. Yeah, here in town, right across the street from Miracle Ear and kind mm-hmm. of St. Pat's in that area. Oh, There's sure. Red brick right. building on the corner. There. And how long has your dad been practicing here? Uh, I'd say 30 plus years, maybe 40, like 35 you, years. Did he go to the university for He went PT? to the University of Montana for PT. He did nice. undergrad at Stanford. Um, wow. Played football there. Which wow. Jim Plunkett was quarterback there. He was a quarterback. Wait, what? But yeah. Yeah. He's, He's got a crazy story in himself, you know. Uh, but he was a grew up here in Montana. He was a, a sports legend, so to speak, uh, in the high school era, and then went to college. And then is he originally from Montana? He was born in California, and then yes, he he kind of popped around from different places in Montana. Yeah, so he was here in Sentinel, or went to Sentinel for a period okay. of time. Went to Helena for a period of time, um, and then. Went on to a junior college and then found himself at Stanford. And then you were raised here, right? I was raised here, yeah. I went to Sentinel and all these grade schools here, you know, Cold Springs when we had it there in middle school. Arnie, Dr. Cordial finds himself in the midst of these high school kids now because he works with a lot of them. Is that correct? Like you and your dad do, right? Yeah, I'll work with anybody. For me, for the past 10 years, I've traveled with – pro sports and primarily pro tennis. So I've been with uh, the best of the best, our best American tennis player in the world for the past 10 years. Um, Who's that? His name's John Isner. Okay. And, uh, yeah. You know, he got to a career high number eight in the world. Um, and he just capped off the world record for the most aces of anybody. How did you get involved in tennis and working with pro tennis players? Yeah. So I got into chiropractic school, you know, and was doing that. And then I have a, I have a big family, and we're all kind of in this field. Uh, I got a How sister. How many are you? There's five, including me. So I got four <laughs> brother. I have three brothers and a sister, and two of my brothers. Well, one brother is a physical therapist. Another is a chiropractor. Does what I do, and my sister is a massage therapist. Huh. So my older brother Rory, he he was in PT school ahead of me. Got in uh, to. A training facility used to be called Athletes Performance. Mm-hmm. It was based down in Scottsdale, Arizona. Right. And Mark Verstegen kind of took him under his wing, and that's who he really wanted to, you know, learn from and stuff. So and who's Mark Verstegen? Mark Verstegen's for our... like a, a world-renowned, you know, kind of strength coach specialist. Right. And he's created, down there in now, Scottsdale. Now branded his name is Exos. So they go into different companies and they kind of revamp you with nutrition and. Um, you know, fitness and lifestyle changes. Um, great, great company. And so Rory was down there doing some internship, and you're around athletes. So athletes go there to train for the combine and football or in their off-seasons. It's a high-level area to to train and kind of, you know, further yourself into the next year sure. of your sport. So being around there, being amongst some athletes and stuff, uh, he met a tennis guy or a tennis guy reached out, and then when Rory got done with school, that connection, you know, happened. And so Rory got on to the ATP tour working with the pro tennis player. Rory was working a few years, and then I was about to get out and was like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, he was friends with <laughs> John, the guy I work with, and um, James Blake, really good friends and stuff. And so it was like, you know, hey, might as well, might as well, uh, you know, try my brother out, see, see if you guys like each other and whatever. So 
We did a tournament in Indian Wells. It's a big tournament. In, Palm, a, in Palm Desert. In Palm Desert. Beautiful tournament. Oh, amazing you tournament. Know, one of the best. Supposedly, you know. the, some people say it's the prettiest setting for tennis. It's, it's, it's arguably the best tournament on tour. Right. I right, mean, right. even the Grand Slams. I mean, it's, I mean, Grand Slams are great, but this tournament is, it's incredible. Um, so, yeah, we, we kind of started our first tournament there, and John finaled it both on singles and doubles. doubles. So he had, you know, a career high, you know, wow. uh, performance then, and then we went on to another tournament and then another, and we kind of so, created our partnership like that. So for our listeners, uh, John Isner is six foot ten. He's an extraordinarily <laughs> um, unusual tennis player. Most of them are, are, are much more compact than that. And uh, he... Arguably, had, had during his tenure, I think he's 37 now, during his, his tenure on the pro circuit, he arguably has the fastest or best serve of anyone. Set the record for number of aces, right? Yeah. I mean, he's an anomaly for the sport, like you said. And, yeah, being 6'10", uh, you you better have a missile, right? Because right. you're, you're probably not running like a deer out there. No, no. Right. But, but, but the thing that, that I'm interested in is, does a 6'10 tennis player have different medical you know, needs when his muscles go out, when his bone structure is uh, is frazzled, when he's run the courts for three, four Good hours, question. is his problems different than a, a 5'11 or a six foot <coughs> tennis player? Yeah, no. And so that's very interesting, right? Like everybody thinks that way. Right. Um, but if you start looking at it, and basketball is a good, good, uh, right. Same area of sport, right? You start looking at those individuals and where they break down. So, so where they break down might be very similar. Right, the hips, back, the knees, you know, a lot of things like that. But everybody's going to be different and unique, and it's all in their movements, right? So you might have weak glutes or weak adductors, and maybe your knees cave in, and maybe your knees are going to be really a big issue, you know, or maybe you're strong there, and maybe you're weak somewhere else. So your your body's going to compensate somewhere else, and that energy energy leak is going to create, uh, let's say, the deterioration of the joint and, you know, cause you the pain and the problems there. So you might... Everybody, what I'm trying to say is you're going to have specific injuries or areas that you're going to target right. for each person. Not necessarily different body sizes. Sure, there's going to be correlations, but... Everybody's physiology everybody is, is different. It right. is different. Yeah, and in your right. case, given your breadth of training, not only being a chiropractic physician, but also being a physical therapist, I would assume your relationship to John was more than just, you know, helping him with aches and pains, but you were in there to try to give him training advice so he could minimize those that effect on him. Yeah, so I provided a lot, and I do provide a lot. Right. So I provide, you know, obviously the basic chiropractic, which we think, hey, just the adjustment, you know, and my scope of practice is so much bigger and so much more inclusive. So I blend, yes, that idea of the adjustment, which is super powerful, um, and into, all right, now how do we get – the orthokinematics. How how does how does like a joint move? How does how does the body right. kind of you know circulate and move? And it should fluidly glide and all that. That has to be correct. And then from there we have to have the muscles working correctly, firing correctly. You know. And so that's kind of more like rehab physical therapy. Kind of look at right. a lot of exercises, a lot of different you know ways of teaching people how to you know correct ergonomics or correct posture. Uh, type things. And then the nutrition is a whole nother thing. And then from that, all right, now the fitness. So now you're healthy and you're well, how do you, how do you challenge someone? You know, what are, what are you doing? How are you pushing them? 
you know, to get and stay up at that level. I would assume that you believe that your approach, this more holistic approach with diet and exercise and training and adjustments um, is a better way and would minimize the number of, of hip and joint-related surgeries that take place. Every time somebody gets hurt, I want, they need to get surgery. Right. You know? Yes, I 100%, I think. You know, and I think it's, it's good just to have a couple of different opinions, you know, when you do have those aches and pains, you know, to, to search out uh, as many people as you can. The more people you talk to and the more information you can take in, the better kind of, I don't know, endpoint you can kind of find yourself. So for me, yeah, with any injury, second guess that if it's surgery, you know, is the first thing on the box. Like, you know, I, I personally think our bodies are made to adapt and we can um, model and, and we're, we're quite remarkable in that. So, you know, so an athlete puts their body under incredible stress and there's a lot of traumas that can hit a body doing a professional sport. What would you say is a good preventative kind of therapy slash practice so that when they're not playing, but when they get to the court or to the field of play, they're in good condition, right? So don't do that sport. Is it it weight training? Is it diet? It's it's obviously it's a lot of things, right? Yeah. It's, it's, what would you say is like kind of the core foundation? So pro athlete or just anybody in general, any, anybody in general, I mean, look, like if you can take, if you can look at the body and look at like circular, like there's so many pieces to the pie, right? Like go into like your overall health. So I think laughter, I think community, having good people Mm. around you is a massive thing that we don't even think about. Right. Just the people you surround yourself with. I think, uh, nutrition is one of the biggest, you know, I mean, just having that systemic inflammation from putting bad stuff in your body creates these, uh, feelings or aches and pains that we just don't really kind of uh, put a put a finger on because we don't get it. It takes about 21 days to really clean your body out. Right. And then when you add something in, that's messing me up. Holy stuff, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's like, so the nutrition thing, I think we just, we don't even really know how powerful that is. Right. Some you know, people you get it, some Scott, people he's don't. staring at us when he's, no, I'm not, when he's talking about, about we're, this. We're in an empty <laughs> white room. I'm looking at eyeballs. I'm just <laughs> Clint, I will say this. Inflammation is the greatest, is the greatest enemy to, to progress and to feeling good, is foods or things that cause inflammation. Yeah. And I only learned that as I got older when I realized, like, I had gout. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I never really had any arthritic condition. And I realized that, geez, this is just something I never anticipated. I always felt very flexible and free. So exactly. And and especially like with something like what you've experienced, like, you know, it like firsthand big time. Oh, it's awful. And the other thing is our body, we do age, right? And our cells age. And so, you know, if you look at like babies or younger kids, they're so resilient and they respond, you know, so fast with different things. And they're able to take in, you know, Cheetos or stuff like that sure. and bounce back. And Happy as we foods. get older, we can't. So, right. you know, it, it comes with wisdom. You come with, oh, wow, now I can kind of feel this difference. But Well, it's for sure. If, you, if you've if you been staying away, for example, from sweets, yeah, 
you know, for months, and then you go to somebody's birthday party or whatever, and all of a sudden you're eating a bunch of sugar. You immediately feel that in you your body. Yeah. You don't feel good. You don't feel good. I mean, you certainly can. Yeah. I want, I want to get back to the sports issue because it's a, it's a hot topic of conversation, right? The Miami quarterback goes out two weeks in a row oh, with yeah. and concussions. People are saying he should retire at 24. They gave him the, you know, they give him the go-ahead to, to, to play. I remember, uh, and uh, Scott remembers, the uh, the the best running back the uh, New York Giants ever had before Saquon Barkley was Tiki Barber. He rushed one season for over 1,600 yards, and he retired at 31. And I remember reading an article. I'll never forget this article. It was in the New Yorker magazine with a lengthy article about him and his career and why he go out when he was 31. And he said in the article that every time he had been tackled in his uh, oh, nine-year yeah. career in the NFL, it felt like he was falling off backwards off a ladder. Yeah. that's How does the body... How do these guys take it? How do we allow that to continue to happen? Padding and helmets can't be the only way to uh, you know to protect. Them. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think we are. I think it's going to be a very simple answer. And if you want to hear the truth, yeah. I, I don't think you can because everybody's getting stronger, bigger, and faster, bigger, right. faster, right, stronger. Right, right. You know, so it's not going the opposite way. And pads, are, you know, and like you hear some of these other quarterbacks and other you know pro players talk about it, and they're like, well. We can't just keep adding different rules. Like, it's going to change the game, you know? Well, it does. I mean, so I, it, there's it does, 30 totally. penalties a game. But I think I think the issue is, you know, especially from the sports medicine background, that guy should have never been on the field, right? right. After that uh, first game, Bills or whatever. Tua? Yeah. Yeah, he couldn't even and So that's, that's where we got to protect these guys. If they're going to go out there and sign their name and say, hey, all right, you know, and they know. I mean, everybody knows playing football. Hey, I'm, I can get it's banged dangerous. up. I can, it's dangerous. Right. But you got to also be able to say, hey, I need to be protected a bit, you know, and I think I don't know the answer. You know, well, you're absolutely right. They're yeah. getting bigger, faster and stronger. Uh, a, a friend of mine was a highly touted uh, uh, high school quarterback, uh, went to college, played at a, at a uh, top school uh, and as a sophomore, got into a game and was blindsided by Lawrence Taylor. Wow. He never played another snap again in his life. Yeah. Hey, you know, and one of many. Thankfully, <laughs> yeah. there are a lot. Of, but <laughs> there are now people in. that are bigger and stronger, and in some cases meaner. I yeah. mean, if you get hit by, uh, you know, any of these, uh, you know, Aaron Donald, a cyst trunk. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have. Yeah, right. I mean, the other thing that you can see now that we're, you know, we you can see the history. You see some of these players who are now fifty and they look seventy. Yeah, you know, I they're, think they're they're they're, hand, they're they're you know they're disabled. Look, and, like, I played high school football, right? right. And I loved it. And I, I definitely sustained a few concussions in that time. And I feel like I have some of the symptomatology a little bit. You know, I, I get irritated a little bit easier, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's correlation or if it's my kids or what. <laughs> but I think it is. I think it's uh, – I, I know my speech can go off a little bit. I think I don't enunciate my words maybe the best. And I've noticed this, you know – That's interesting. Right, like – when I was studying grad school and kind of, you know, kind of yeah. studying stuff and, and taking a look at like, oh, crap, what have I put my body through, you know? Right. And, you know, there's other ways, you know, now there's certain things you can do to kind of challenge your brain and, you know, try to help, well, some you people, know, don't you remember do different things to right, better to, yourself. To you know, therapy. But, yeah. but don't you remember they were they were trying to correlate OJ's, his, his right. violence? Yes, who was, right. To traumatic brain injury? And because uh, he suffered a number of concussions and probably over the years, and probably they didn't even know. They just sent him back in. 
Right, and well, there's a lot. Of, there's a whole bunch of stories like that. Well, you're you're exposed to an environment where you would, because of the money involved. I think that movie you, Friday Night Lights, right? Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. It exposes are really pretty, or it's just hey, let's hey, my bonus, my bonus pro, if I get in, and you know, flip, I mean, flip it over to mixed martial arts and boxing. Yeah. You got people kicking you in the head. In the head, right? Let's, let's do a quick ID. Our guest is Dr. Clint Cordial. He is a uh, he is a doctor here in Missoula working with the body, body mechanics. He is by trade a chiropractor, but also has a very deep practice in nutrition, strengthening coach, physical therapy, physical therapy. So this is a fascinating conversation. Well, because it, it covers lots of different areas. But I think yeah. the proof is in the pudding when you, when you see athletes from the contact sports 20 years later. Watch Mike Tyson now. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he 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 never spoke very clearly to begin with, but now he's it's like mumbles. You're going to see the movie Creed Three is coming out yeah. again, and that's going to be a resurgence in interest in boxing and and uh, the mixed martial arts. Most of those folks, you watch some of the hockey players, right? I mean, I was watching uh, the Ranger game the uh, the other day, and Mark Messier, he doesn't look anything like what he looked. Like 15, 12 years ago. He's a little leaner, though. He's right? leaner, but I'm he's saying he's actually taking care of himself. Yeah, he's one that has some of the other, some of the others have no, as much. When I I used to work for the New York Rangers, and we used to have Old Timers Day, and when, <laughs> when players Gump Worsley came back. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who was the one who was really? It was some of these old defenders when they right. came back. The guys in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, they did not look good. And it was their face. It was their head. What? It wasn't their their because remember they were there's low trauma and low trauma to their legs when they're skating. So it wasn't a, as big an issue. It was everything above the right. net, above the waist. Right. Andy, Andy, Andy Bathgate, do you remember? Him? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those well, guys. We had a Andy Bathgate day at the Rangers. And Crosby is the one that sticks out in my mind. Oh yeah. Like oh, that God. injury. I mean, he took what a year Ooh. off, two years or something like that. Thank like, God for yeah. that, Sydney. Yeah. I mean, it's it. it those are tough sports, and it's hard. And it's also there's a lot of competition and and issue related to high school and collegiate. Yeah, sports. what? Well, tell us. Well, first of all, talk to us about. I don't want to get off the tennis so quickly. What was it like being on tour? By the way. Yeah, it was incredible. It was. Uh, tell us what. It, yeah, what does incredible mean? I, well, I think anytime <laughs> I, my story is so unique because I got to do it with a couple of my brothers too. So we were right. all traveling. You know, oh, when I cool. first started with these, you know, top American. You know, pro tennis players. And they're traveling, treated pretty goodly on the tour. Traveling the world, you know. and The world, yeah, right? Yeah. Literally the world. So we're going to, like, Australia, you know, for the beginning part of the year for the Australian Open. Did you we, do Roland Garros in Paris? We did Roland Garros. We did Wimbledon. We did U.S. Open, you know. So we're spending months in Europe together, you know. And why months? What was the – so how did that work? That's how the schedule set up. So no, sure, but why were you there for for a long a long period of time? I know, like the tournament's like two weeks. So uh, yeah, Roland Garros is two weeks, but before that, there's several tournaments in in I Europe. I see. So it's like the it's like the PGA that goes yeah. on every weekend. Everything and, leads yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Up, so. and so yeah, it's kind of like a snake, you know, as far as the schedule. It, it, it goes over to like Europe, and then it'll come back over here, and then it it goes to Australia, and Wimbledon fight, you know, comes in. We're just there for a bit, and then. You end the year typically over in Asia, but since COVID, you know, they've right. shut that down a little bit. But uh, And then you have another little series in, in Europe there. And then in New the York end. during the Open, the U.S. Open. Yeah. And that's the summer. The summer swing's always here in the U.S., right? Yeah. So there's Got different it. tournaments kind of in the different states. And then, obviously, the big one is Grand Slam in right. New York. Right. 
And that's kind of how tennis is. It's built on the four grand slams. So Australia, we leave, you know, typically right after Christmas, and you're over in Australia for a few different tournaments, you know, leading up. Right. So you just stay there. You don't keep coming back and forth. You stay there. And then you come back here, you play a few tournaments here in the U.S., and then you head over to Europe. Right. And in Europe, you have Madrid, Rome, um, maybe a, a smaller tournament leading into like the French. The and Roman are you girls. interacting with your principal your, every day? I mean, are you doing stuff with oh, them yeah. every day? Yeah. I mean, we're, me, him, and his coach are, yeah, the, the coach, the player, and if they're good enough, you know, someone like what I do is with them. And that's, that's the team. Yeah, because they typically. have the resources to, to And we're with it. each other, you know, day in, day out, you know, early in the morning till. You know, later. How you, how, so they are you overseeing what they're eating and what they're? Yeah, know? I mean it, it. So this will come down to player to player. So John is, you know, more or less what I did with him is I just communicated and gave him information. Let him. He's an adult, make his own decisions, right? I can't right. can't force people to do it. Some people might like that, and and that's fine. An athlete that wants that, okay. Right. You got to know who you're right. working Tom with Brady, and dealing with them, right? Like do, I, right? I, I probably <laughs> didn't work with him for ten years because I was jamming information down his throat and saying, "Hey, do it this way." You know, it's it's not. It's it's more kind of understanding how to get along, you know, and also you know keep increasing, you know, who brings your value. you the coach. Who brings? Uh, who hires you guys? The the player. The player. The player hires his team. Right. So, so. and how do they know about you? Like, how do they know so, about you and your uh, team? Yeah, I just like I said, my brother is the one who got me into the niche, and that's how right. he my was other doing brother it. got he, in. He so got into it. Was it. Just that, yeah. It's so, a small community, and that tennis community is very close knit. Like a lot of people know right. everybody around the world. Right? Did you work with any female players? I worked on a little bit, but not. I was exclusively with this player with the John. whole time. Yeah, right. So did and James Blake? No, Rory worked with James. Blake. I see. Yeah. Rory did your brother. So, were your accommodations and travel on par with your principal, or were you like when he flew first class? Did you fly coach? No, so I I I flew as uh, <laughs> however I could, but I you know look like. We accrue a lot of miles you right. know, flying, so I was able to upgrade and, and utilize some of the status perks and, and stuff like that. So it was very nice. And and John is a, a very gracious person, so he definitely, you know, upgraded right. me a lot of different times and stuff. So it was a and the incredible hotel, partnership. You were you staying at the same yeah, hotel? The hotels are always very nice. Yes. Accommodations are great. and Especially, had, like, for me. I mean, I'm doing work with him uh, because it is. It's on call. You know, anytime he makes it more sense makes more sense for me to be close to right. him. Like, right. I'm kind of in his back pocket I will, the whole time. I, you know? I had one exposure to that. I had I had family passes, player passes, right. for Roland Garros when Pete Sampras was playing. Oh, nice. And and somebody couldn't go and ask me, and I was going to... Anyway, it was, it was in Paris. You get picked up at the hotel by a limo. The area behind... You know, where all of the family's sitting and where all of the guests are sitting. You go back inside the tent behind there. It's like being at uh, it's nice. know, oh, a four it's nice. It's, it's really nice. You mean I can see why you for a hot dog. It's like I can see why you have to a private jet and yeah, then right. go commercial. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see why you have to be careful, you know, with diet and stuff. Because every day, you know, you could, 
you could gorge yourself Sponsors. on anything. And I think that's that's what makes uh, pro athlete in, in tennis is the discipline. Right. I mean, to be disciplined, I mean, that is one big word. That's And I think Tyson has a great little, like, uh, slogan speech, you know, a little like minute kind of blurb on it. Like, yeah, I think to really achieve and be one of those top guys, like you have to have discipline. So you're a Missoula kid. You went to Sentinel. You're here. How'd you get? I know you went to. Uh, you did your undergraduate work at the University of Hawaii Hilo. I jumped around a bit. I, <laughs> I was. I was. Uh, I love baseball, right? So I, I and what position you played? I was kind of a mutt. I played everything, you know. Put me yeah. on the field, but I played, I played second and third a lot, you oh, know, here for corner. the Mavs and yeah. stuff. Uh, and then uh, in college, yeah, the same. I, it, I could hit pretty good, and so I started out kind of the JUCO route. And so I went to North Idaho in, in Coeur d'Alene sure. for a year, and then there was a Title Nine thing, so they cut the team, wow. got rid of the team, and. So I went and found a, another JUCO in Trinidad, Colorado. This nice. is a pretty funny story. This is crazy. <laughs> Never heard so, of Trinidad. Yeah, I mean, probably shouldn't. Yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, this is whatever the story leads. But um, so, <laughs> so I got down there, and, and uh, I didn't much like it. You know, I was kind of homesick a little bit, and I, I, I got sick. Like, I, I showed up a week before uh, uh, school started and was training with the team. And I got sick, and I, I kind of had, like, sore throat and couldn't, couldn't swallow and stuff. And I was like, oh, man. And I was, you know, homesick. So I went to the hospital and stuff, and they did some stuff and sent me back. And same, you know, I took some medicine. Uh, it was all right. And then got back in, or sorry, the next day, like, my symptoms were back and worse. And I, like, literally could not breathe. And I was like, what the hell is this? So went back to the hospital I'm in there, and, like, they do, like, tests, and they're like, hey, you got mono, you got to stay the night. And I was like, mono? Mono, yeah. I was like, well, what is this? Like, and I'm like, okay, I, I do not want to be here. Like, call my dad. I was like, dude, I'm done. Like, I can't. I'm not going to play. All I heard about was mono is, like, you just can't move, right? Right, like, you can't, right. You can't play. And so I was like, I'm not going to do school here just to, you know, not really? play baseball. Like, right. So I was like, come get me. So he does, and, like, as I'm in this bed, this hospital, so this is where the story is, okay? So so I didn't know this at the time, and and then, like, some of my buddies came and visited me and stuff, and, like, well, at the time when I was going to school there, this was the hospital known for the sex change capital of the world. So when Uh-oh. they had that going on, they didn't that's, you with that's another where patient, so for they? me, I was like... <laughs> And I just did, like, a, a report on medical mistakes or something. And so yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, if they checked my la- my you know, my chart <laughs> wrong, I did not sleep a wink that night at all. What like, I was like, this? I don't want to wake up and not, you know, be a me. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Generous reassignment. <laughs> it's just like. I said, okay, finally, we have good news and so bad news for you. It was a short stint, but it was kind of funny. And it was, I was just like, oh, gosh. So it's a beautiful place, though, yeah, right. in, in the middle of the night. And then how did you get to Hilo? So then that and so that year I took off. I went to a JUCO in Scottsdale, played there, college um, for those and then went up to uh, University of Hawaii. Though. And that was pretty nice. That was right? fun. Yeah. That was great. That yeah. sounds like a terrible gig. Yeah, right. yeah What so was I, your favorite place, by the way, to travel on the tour? On the I like Rome. Rome? Yes. I like Rome. Arnie yeah. does, too. I'm going to be in Italy next week. In Paris, I, uh, so I, think, yes. I think the architecture, the energy, and it's just, I, I don't fun. know. It's the a big, cool city, great. the like, Spanish it's, Yeah, and, it's, you know. it's, it's so cool. It's so, so, how so, did, so how did you keep out of trouble, right? Because 
<laughs> the thing about you would show me kept yeah. out of trouble. Well, I'm gonna <laughs> open the door for him to say how he didn't. But the tennis tour, for the most part, yes, you guys are working really hard. But you know, it attracts a higher echelon of of celebrities, of benefactors, of business people, of chefs, of everything. So the world is popping. When you're on a, the professional tour. Yeah, you're around a lot of different individuals from different backgrounds, right? And a lot yes. of high, high level players. Right. Um, no, I think I always kept my stuff very, very professional. So I never, never. Your let brother told you that? that way. <laughs> when I was with my brothers, I'd maybe I'd hang out a little bit harder or fun, you sure. know, and kind of let down. You know, I knew we could protect each other or whatever, but we never had issues with Clint, that. Clint, I, always... I don't know that you know this. Sorry to interrupt, but one of our past guests on our show, Nick McCarvel. Is uh, he's an announcer? Okay. Uh, he's from Helena. He's a friend of our of several of us here. Actually, right. Drew downstairs. And he was and announcing Joe. at the uh, U.S. Open just recently. And yeah, uh, he he is on the tour. Right. Do you know him? And I and I don't. I think I was asked this before. <laughs> I think I'm so bad with names too. But if I if I've You're seen him, him, I'm sure I have. Yeah. You're two know like the most famous guys in Montana for tennis. Yeah. So you're so you're hanging around with you know Eisner, the, the best Isner, one of the best U.S. players, mm-hmm. if not the best U.S. player, and you're at these events where all 6-10. the other celebrities. I mean Serena. I mean they're all there. Everybody's yeah. there. I saw they just donated. They just dedicated this major building on the uh, Nike campus to Serena. Oh, nice. after good. Serena. And Serena and John are good friends, and so oh. I know Serena. And, and right. she was good She's friends with Grigor, who my brother worked with. And stuff. Really? So, yeah. So is there anybody that you met during this 10 years that really kind of like your mouth dropped open and you just like couldn't, uh, it was like you, you got starstruck? Because you're already around yeah. a lot of famous you know, people that, that are world, you know, world-renowned. Yeah. There are people in the stands that are, you know, the last time uh, – you know, Serena played. It was like a who's who. I mean, you know, from Michelle Obama to yeah. you know Spike Lee to uh, right. whoever. Was there anybody? Yeah, I think. Um, well, obviously, I think Serena. She's she's right, awesome. She's a star. Her sister Venus, like right. amazing. They're they're awesome, and uh, you know, to be able to be around them and hang out with them and get to know them a little bit has been incredible. I think. Anytime you're in the locker room with like Roger or Rafa, <laughs> and, you know Novak, I love those guys. I mean, yeah. and Rogers. He's, he's, there's something unique about him, and like there's there's a few players, you know, like maybe Michael Jordan, I, Derek Jeter, like they have Roger, that, they have like some have kind this of aura bigger around than them. bigger, right? Yeah. And here's one story, like, <clears throat> so I got to meet Derek Jeter, and right. like he blew me away because he was in this complex housing complex where where John, you know, lived and trained and stuff, and and we were in there going to get lunch and. Just walking in, and Jeter's sitting there at the table, and John knows him. So he's like, hey, and then introduced me to him. Yeah. And I was like, hey, To awesome. the captain. And I was like, That's... God, this guy's awesome. <laughs> you know, right. Super nice, awesome, chat a little bit and all that. And then, you know, we take off and go. Well, I had to use the restroom or something. So I went back, came out of the restroom, and I was walking by, and I was just like, you know, didn't say anything. And then Jeter goes, see you later, Clint. And I was just like, what? No. Yeah. I was like, this guy, like, <laughs> I, I forget people's names in two seconds. I was like, this guy, bigger in the world, like, doesn't have to remember know who you are. Me, you know, this little Peabody. And I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's <laughs> that thing, right? Like, that's that charismatic Recall. thing that, like, yeah. you're just, you gravitate towards. Like, I think, yeah. I think Roger has that. I think there Derek has that. that. I think a friend Michael, of mine was, you know, was, at, was at an event. And it's within one of these little elevators going down to one of the lower levels. And uh, 
It's a small elevator. You know, some of the sometimes these properties have only two or three people could fit in. Right? Small yeah. lift. Small lift. And he turned around. There was one other person in the elevator, and he turns around, and it was Tom Brady. Yeah. Wow. And he didn't know what to say. This is a person that's never in a lot of words. His mouth just, you know, a gape. Yeah, a gape. I mean, uh, <laughs> but let's but let's drill down a little further to like the Serena's of the world and the Johns of the world. To be that type of athlete, to be at such a high level. Some of it, some of it, it's obviously they're physically gifted, and you're trying to keep that gift giving. That gift keeps yeah. giving. But there's also the mental aspect. That how do you kind I think of that's describe the biggest, that? I think that's the biggest one. You know, I and really what is do. It? I think, I, and what is it? If I knew, I think I'd be paid a lot but more. <laughs> <laughs> but but now let me trans, yeah. translate this to today when you're sitting there and you're working with high school students. Yeah. And you're trying to impart to them knowledge and information about here's how you eat, here's how you train. But the mental, like, what do you say to them? Yeah, I think, I think, especially in tennis where it's a individual sport, right? Right, it's right. It's different right. than like a team sport. It's so different. Sure. It's, you're, it's a lot harder to quit on a team than yourself, right? Or did I say that? No, no, you're it's, right. It's harder you to, other people rely on you. To, yeah, it is. Yeah. So I think that in tennis is the challenge because. And there's two things. So, like, one, like, I, I use this kind of analogy, like, golf. Like, I golf. I don't know if you guys golf or, yeah, we or, or we, tennis we try in general. It. We but try like, to golf. You've hit, like, a perfect drive. Or like, you've hit a perfect shot, maybe with every club, right? And you expect yourself to hit that perfect shot every time. <laughs> or, like, when yeah, it's, we like, never I should hit well. <laughs> My driver? Yeah. You're, you're, in tennis. Your approach way? Uh, <laughs> we play scramble together. They These guys hit those perfect shots every single every time. Every single time. And every they time. expect themselves to hit that in that moment. And if it doesn't go well, well, that's one ding right on that conscious level. And well, it's, it's, just like, it's like a baseball pitcher. You, just, yeah, you play baseball. You expect, spot, you expect you know? to throw 98 miles an hour to a spot the size of a, a silver dollar. When you don't, there's something wrong with you, and right? And you tighten up. And yeah. then your confidence goes down and you, you don't perform as well. So what and is the it? other way Repetition? when you can flip it? No, it's 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 having that confidence. It's that unintangible thing that right. you can't necessarily teach. You can this. train right. and you can try to train. And some people are better at it than others. I mean, look at time. Everybody's different. And I think that was one of the is one of the biggest things like with with John. This guy is an anomaly for the sport. And when he is going like he played it, he played a match against uh, Key and Nishikori and he. I think after the match, he said, I, I couldn't do anything. Right, I saw, right. I've never seen such dominance in the sport of tennis. I mean, he was moving fast, crushing the ball. Like, there was, it was, in, in, in case, faster than crap. Like, he'll get to anything, and, like, he's, he's a defensive player. So it's just like, I mean, that's to be able to, that, that's like, that's confidence, it's kind of, it's, and it's, that's like. It's determination, that, it's focus, it's so all how do you things. get there, and how do you. How do you stay there? You know, yeah, it's it's part of that mental bit, right? Do you think that they see the destination? Do they see the shot already played before they hit it? I think everybody has a different way of mentally um, preparing, and right. I would like to think the better and greater ones probably do that. I mean, we well, hear you know, so much a, about it in sports science, right? Right. That's a famous um, Gretzky quote, right? I skate yeah. the way the puck's going to be, not where it is. Right, right, right. You know, right. some of them have that, that extra sense. Yeah, and I think you do. I think you have a sense when you're out there. And you I know, think you in tennis, can feel where the ball is going to be. You can kind of sense More than things. any other sport in tennis. Yeah. You know, in golf, you go from hole to hole to hole, and if a guy screws up, he screws up, and you don't get to watch it too much. In tennis, you're down a set. You got a little bit of a break. The camera's on the guy or the woman, and there you can see visually. 
they're trying to refocus, re-energize. You know, they're trying to figure out. They're not. They're not thinking about. I hit. I got to hit my shot harder. They're just thinking about concentrating and you know doing what they do best. Right. 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 In you the know? moment. And it's and tennis is such a, a great sport because there's so many different matchups, right? Right. And so one person might match up totally different than the other person, right? And give them such trouble where, you know, this person's strengths and weaknesses just match up a certain way that, you know, maybe they're not the best player or ranked player, but they just play this right. type of player that's ranked really good hard because of just the well, matchups. Well, I think you saw so that really with the unique. U.S. Open this this year. Yeah, I think we did, right? Did yeah. You, so so. Because you're so familiar with the sport of tennis, did you see this kind of changing of the guard happening even before we got to Flushing Meadows where this was uh, Al- Alcaraz, I mean, he's, he's he, you watch him move. This what's guy, he, 19 years old? He's, he's unbelievable. He's really strong, really fast. Yeah. I mean, and mentally he's he's just a good person, I think. And he's, he's, you can see. You, you can, can see, see it, you know, and he's got good people around him. Like Juan Carlos, uh, his coach, is incredible great person you know right. humble like just good people you, you know the and young like, american that's like becoming yeah a, a more who raised... um oh the african-american yeah uh, what's tiafo yeah tiafo what about him just raising his game yeah up in, in, you know in real life in real time and he's such a joyous guy right, right. and yeah. he's so positive and he right. just, he's so physically talented and yes. so he's just getting better and better and better and once he gets these wins then it's like that confidence. The problem right, is he's going to be go, go. playing out. Playing out. <laughs> yeah. I'm terrible with names, but who was the player that kept on yelling at his sideline, like like blaming them for everything? Oh, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it was Medvedev, just, like old, he, he picks up with the crowd, right? <laughs> like he did that. I don't know. You know, I'm, t- I, I'm so bad at this. But anyway. And Murray, I, Murray would do that. I think he's right, gotten better, but right. Murray was classic. Andy? For, or, you know, yeah, Andy. But, you know, I found it I, – I love watching tennis. I love the individual sports. It is like golf in a lot right. of ways. You just could so, like – you realize it's just them out on that stage. There's a whole bunch of people supporting them, but at that moment in time, they are executing that shot or that right. serve. Well, tennis whatever. is different because you're not playing alone. you got somebody hitting the ball back at you. Oh, yeah. Golf, it's just one direction. <laughs> Right, and you got you have to play your best game, and you can't worry, you can't stop the other person from doing something. No, in tennis, you know, you can, you can move in and dink and dunk. You can try different kinds of things to try to you know improve your position relative to who you're playing. And if you're playing somebody right. who's like Federer, I mean, there's hardly anything you can do in yeah, his prime. So, so are you still? So tell us what's going on right now yeah. with you. You're, yeah. not doing, you're not doing so this I'm not, anymore. No, I'm here. I'm here full time. And why aren't you doing clinic. it anymore? Um, it was time to go. I got a young family, right? right. And we've been you know, together yeah. for 10 years. And I think uh, it was a, a good break for both of us to kind of go, you know, I think when you've had a partnership, especially in tennis, it's kind of unheard of to be together that long, yeah, sure. you know. And for me, you know, things with family and kind of doing that. And this is what I've been wanting to do for the past couple of years, you know. So I'm excited. Um, I'm I'm opening up, branding myself, you know, and running out of, you know, the clinic that my dad has. He's given me space. And then hopefully, you know, sometime. What's maybe. the name of the business? The business is Electric Rehab and Fitness. And what does the electric stand for? So, yes. So, this is what I'm bringing. So, I'm, <laughs> like you guys have said, I, I practice a very unique style of, I guess, chiropractic, you could say. I blend a lot of the techniques. So, chiropractor by trade, you know, I'm looking at the nervous system. And, and you know, from that, uh, the nervous system's housed by your vertebrae and your skull and 
these bones that protect, you know, the nerves. And so when you have a kink or anything like that, those those nerves don't maybe send the signal right to the muscles or the sure. lymph or the circulatory system or whatever. The nervous system controls everything. So making sure those arthrokinematics are, are lined up great and perfect, that's my number one. And then from there, I look at, like, the muscles. So it's muscle dysfunction. All right, is, is this muscle working correctly? You know, how can we figure this out? Muscle test or this kind of device that I'm bringing, a, a neuroelectrical muscle uh, kind of stimulator, has the ability to do a diagnostic-type scan. and will literally oh. pick up, you know, hey, this muscle is not turning on. Oh, I see. And a lot of our injuries are compensation, and it's, or, or we get an injury and we have pain, and the pain is because our muscles aren't working together correctly. You know, it's shut down from either a thought, a trauma, or a toxin. It's kind of the thought, the three T's. So a thought, you know, can create different biochemical responses, depression, you know, sadness and all that. Uh, trauma, you know, it could be micro trauma, just doing stuff, sure. overuse type injuries, or, you know, car wreck, or, you know, anything, you know, concussion type thing. And then uh, thoughts, traumas, and your, your toxins can be anything, you know, like the drugs or alcohol or different things like that sure. can create, you know, wear and tear on your body. So by kind of looking and uncovering all that, you know, um, I, I find kind of your dysfunctions and then from that put together a plan with you, you know, how to, and, and get you back. You know, is there a sweet spot age? Is there a particular type or you like to work with everybody? Yeah, so I'll work with anybody. And I, you know, I got a couple of young kids. They're three and eight now. And I've been working on them since they're, you know, babies and stuff. So my demographic is really babies to geriatrics. My grandma's 94 and I was using this device on her the other day. Wow. There's a really neat setting on it to um, Make grandma drop young again. you into a <laughs> parasympathetic state. Run. So we're so sympathetic driven, you know, so stressed out. So our nervous system has sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetic is like stress and, you know, that and our uh, parasympathetic rest and digest and healing. So we want to get people more in a parasympathetic stress or sorry, uh, right. state. state and right. So how do we do that? Right. There's breath, just breathing, doing different breath work. That's the most natural and free and easy way to do it. Another way is using this device that I incorporate. Um, and there's a, there's, we hook you up to that and let you kind of just feel a little tingle. And, and we've done it with heart rate variability checking, and, and it correlates and shows that it drops you into that parasympathetic state so your body can recover. This is new to Montana, correct? It's not in Montana. So right. you are it? Yeah. This is amazing. Let's take a yeah. quick break. Our guest is Dr. Clint Cordial. He is here in Missoula, Montana. Back after this with final words. Arnie, we are back with our guest, Dr. Clint Cordial. So how do our listeners get a hold of you? If they want to come and consult, you know, have a consultation and figure out what, what kind of plan you could put together for them, how do they reach out yeah. to you? So we're doing appointment bio, uh, appointment, uh, that's fine. Appointments. You have to set up an appointment with you. Yeah. Is, <laughs> what number do they call? Have to call you, Clint. Uh, what number do they call? I'm making it harder. No, you're I'm not. exclusive. You're fine. Yeah, what exclusive. number do they call? No, the, uh, yeah, my number is 406-544-6842. What's your website address? Electricrehabandfitness.com. Electricrehabandfitness.com. And there... This is the only place in Montana, probably the region, that does this, right? Yeah, no one's doing what I'm doing here in Montana or 
really the Northwest and really kind of what I practice. Not too many people are doing what I do. Do you bring any in Eastern techniques yes. into this? So what I is that? Dry needling, I guess I can't say I'm acupuncturist, but I do the dry needling and I bring a lot of electroacupuncture with it and a lot of uh, just that philosophy in general. You're of, not going to walk on my back, are you? I do Thai massage. Oh, so do you I, really? I, yeah, I do. And yeah, Arnie, my sister in the clinic, she, she'll do Thai massage as well. So. What does your sister do? She's a massage therapist. Here in, in town? Here in town in the clinic, yeah. Oh, you're kidding. In your clinic? In the building, so we're all kind of... It's like a one-stop it's shop. It's a one-stop you go in shop. There and get everything taken care so of. So I have to tell you, when I we both are obviously from back east. When I was living in New York, I had a... Uh, uh, a doctor, an Eastern doctor who treated me with acupressure, electric, also electric pulses yep. and, and needling and acupuncture and then herbs. And I found that to really work. Like that wasn't just up here. That was working on me. Is that kind of the mindset of like these different tech, these different modalities can come in and help? Yeah, I think it can help anybody. I mean, it's, it's, I, I got a toolbox, right? And it's like figuring out which tool works with you, right. you know? So that's how I kind of look at I it. I need all the tools. <laughs> the toolbox. Immediately. He, we got to play golf with you, Clint. Where do you yeah. play? I will play anywhere you guys have me. We'll go do it over <laughs> at the ranch club. Yeah, that's awesome. Arnie and I go to the ranch club. Anyway, you've been a great guest. You've been very entertaining and lots of good information. It's Dr. Clint Cordial. Give us the phone number again. 406 406- Five four four six eight four two. Clint, thank you for joining us. Today. Thank you guys. It's been yeah, fun. I appreciate it. It. It, was fun. it was fun. Arnie, I'll see you next week. Take care, Scott. See you next week. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO, 